Today we're talking with Christy Gleason about supporting adoption of children in their own countries. Christy is the Vice President of Refugee and Immigrant Family Services at Bethany Christian Services and previously served there as Vice President of Global Services. Thanks so much for joining us today, Christy. Thanks for having me. So we know that Bethany Christian Services is leading care reforms not only in the U.S., but also around the globe. Can you tell us more about Bethany's global work to support foster care and adoption programs? Sure. Basically, if you know what Bethany Christian Services does in the U.S., which is foster care, adoptions, family preservation, counseling work, refugee resettlement, a lot of those services that we do in the U.S., we also do overseas. Wonderful. Could you share a little bit about the process that Bethany Christian Services uses to bring a child into a family in your global work? The first thing that we do when we're thinking about placing children into families is, of course, looking at each child's case on an individual basis. So as we know, uh, not all children that live in orphanages are orphaned. And so the first thing that we really try to do is make certain that there's not family of origin, kinship care available to that child, because if the, if the child has identified family members, that's, of course, who we would go to first to see if that would be an appropriate match for that child. So once we do that, we work really closely both with the orphanage or the, the residential care center and the government to make certain that we aren't circumventing the care system already put in place in that country. And so it's a three-way partnership, really, between the orphanage, the government, and Bethany, where each individual child is assessed to make sure what's in the, their best interest. Once that's been determined and we've identified that there are no relatives able or available to care for that child, then we start with a process of recruiting foster family for that child. And so we work very closely in that instance with the local church. And our partnerships with the local church in the countries that we work in are as important to us as the government partnerships because it's through the local church that we are really able to reach out to and recruit and train foster families. And that's been really exciting for us because in every single country that we work in, the local church has been a key partner for us because they understand inherently God's design for children is being the family. They also realize that as Christians, we've been adopted by God and that it is our call and he asks of us to care for orphans and widows. And so with that foundation already firmly set, the local church is an, an amazing and energetic partner for us to find loving families for children. Once we find families, our families in our foster care and foster to adopt programs, they follow a system that closely resembles the foster care process in the United States. And that means potential foster families get screened, they get home studied, they get trained. And this is a process that is long and involved. Once they've been home studied and approved, and depending on the country and depending on where we are working, sometimes the government then at the end of the process will come in and accredit our foster families, and sometimes we are allowed uh, through our government partnership to accredit families on our own. Once the families are accredited and trained, we do a matching process where we look at the strengths of the family and we look at the needs of the child and we look to see what family would be able to offer the child the most resources and would be a good fit for that family. And the key piece to this is after matching and after we place a child into the home, we don't just say, okay, thank you, you're, you're, you're great, go on your way, but we provide intensive case management services. And I can't emphasize enough how important that piece is, the case management piece. 
Families sometimes struggle a little bit, either at the beginning or sometimes after the child has been placed in the home for several months and really need that intensive support of a case manager. And so that's a, a key piece of our program is that we have trained social workers who come in and do monthly and sometimes weekly visits with families to see what, what's going well and where there's some areas of concern that we can help come alongside the family with. The other piece to the foster care program that we have is training. So we really make sure that families are very much trained up and prepared as much as possible before they accept the placement of a child. But then after the child is placed in their home, we have ongoing trainings that they can attend as well as foster parent support groups that they can share stories of success and struggle and get feedback and support from their peers, other foster families or other members of their church to help support the family. Okay, that's really helpful. Could you share a little bit more about the families who are coming forward to adopt children in these countries all around the world? This has been one of the most exciting pieces of working within the family-based care system within Africa and the other countries that we're working in, in that the families that have come forward to adopt have been absolutely amazing. We have seen the whole spectrum of families. So couples that are older that maybe waited 10 or 15 years to, to have children and, and then could not have them biologically and so then are interested in adopting. We've had grandparents come forward wanting to adopt not just grandchildren but other children that need families. We've had families come forward who could pay fees and say, hey, we have room in our home to, to open it up to and, and to love another child. And we've had families in one of the poorest districts in the free state in South Africa come forward to adopt the children that they know need families. So that's been such an amazing experience and learning opportunity for us to say, you know what, if we can help with the process to make children available for domestic adoptions, the families are going to step forward. And it's been so inspiring to see the families stepping forward for these kids. The families stepping forward to adopt children in the countries that we're working with are very diverse. And that's been really amazing to see that that there's not one type of family they're not all super rich or not all very educated or of the upper class it's all sorts it's families with lots of kids and families with no kids and so it's been really amazing to to be a part of that and watching families step forward and say yes we can do this that's super encouraging are most of these families recruited by your church partners absolutely so i would say 90 percent of the families that step forward are families that have been recruited through either their local pastor or they've heard another family member talk about something that they heard from their church. We do as well do some radio advertising and have had some success with that in spreading the word and getting the word out about the, the opportunities for families to foster and to adopt children. But by far and away, the best recruiting efforts we've, we've done have all been through the local church. Well, that's awesome to hear and really encouraging how does it work with groups of siblings? So sibling groups, I think, have been a little bit more challenging only because we, we really want families to be able to make sure there's enough room for them physically. And then it's actually, um, just like we know in the States, it's expensive to raise kids. And so it, is a family able to pay for the extra expenses of school and clothing of a, of a sibling group? But we haven't found really any any difference between placing sibling sets uh, versus single children. It's really been the way that we tell the story about the, the, the fact that children need families and whether it's one child or two children, it's really been not much of a difference between sibling sets or single kids. Oh, that's great. How do you support the families after adoption and make sure that children are safe and thriving? 
in my opinion, this is key. I think it's something that we really, really need to pay attention to in that we have to make certain that families are set up for success. And if we place a child into a family and they struggle, which is normal in, in a lot of cases, we expect some bumps and some adjustment periods. And so to place a child into a family and then as an organization to not help support that family and that child and that adjustment parent, I, I think is really bad practice. And so we are very much in favor of and are almost a little bit obsessive about case management. And so having trained social workers or in countries where social workers aren't easily found, trained workers in social services, having them go into a family's home and really work with that family and that child or those children to help settle through some of those adjustment issues, as well as talk to the parents about what is trauma, what is grief, what is loss, and why those topics can affect behavior and then how to help the family work through those symptoms and the manifestations of those trauma issues that a child might bring with them. So Christy, we know the Ethiopian program that Bethany launched in 2009 is thriving, but I'm sure it wasn't without challenges as well. So could you share a little bit about some of the challenges that you all faced and how did you overcome them? I think the biggest challenge in Ethiopia and not just in Ethiopia, I have found this to be true in almost every other country where we've started foster care. The biggest challenge is overcoming the preconceived ideas that foster care is not possible in that country. It's always the first response we get when we start talking about the possibility of doing foster care in a country. The, the answer usually is, oh, I know that works in a different country or our neighboring country, or I know that works in the U.S., but really in our country it's not possible. And then there's usually a list of reasons as to why it's not possible. And so we really have to start very slowly and very organically to raise awareness, to train pastors, to train university professors, to train government workers about the benefits of foster care, and really also about the, the detrimental effects of institutionalization of children so that they can come to the understanding that, yes, family is absolutely best for kids, but also that, yes, with proper support and training and structure, family-based care is possible in our country. And so then let's engage in that next conversation of what that might look like. And so the biggest challenges really were trying to overcome the idea that it's just not possible. Once churches and government workers and partners realize, oh, we can do this, that families will step up and do this, that there is a structure in place, that it's not just very random happenings to make to place a child into a home, that, that it's a very structured process, then it becomes more easy to move forward in the process. But absolutely, the hardest piece was just getting people to come along and believe with us that it was possible. The easy part was getting families and churches to believe that family is best. That's not really a difficult hurdle if you think about how we do the training, but if you also think about God's design, uh, that, that's not the difficult piece. Div the difficult piece is contextualizing it so that it can work in the country that we're in. And then, with, then the, the rest, I think, really is process and training and commitment, and it flows much more smoothly. But in the beginning, sometimes it's just really a matter of changing people's minds, and it's a paradigm shift almost where they have an aha moment that, oh, this is possible. And then the rest, the rest kind of falls into place after that. Awesome. Is there a story that you've heard in all of this work that's really been affirming or has stood out to you that you could share with us? 
I think that the, the story that really sticks out in my mind is our very first child that we placed into foster care. So when we started back in 2009 with foster care in Ethiopia, we never really thought about adoption. Really, we just wanted kids and families, and we thought foster care would be the smoothest way to get children out of orphanages and into families. And so we were really thinking along those lines of maybe long-term foster care in some instances and, and in some situations is permanence. If, if adoption's not possible, but really then how do we train foster families for that long haul? And so we weren't really even thinking about foster to adopt or adoption. And it was the, our very first foster family who had placement of their daughter for about, I want to say, six months. And they came to us and said, how do we adopt her? We can't imagine our lives without her. We don't want to be her foster family. We want to be her adoptive family. We want permanency for her. And it really opened our eyes about the fact that families know what's best for children. And so that's when we decided, oh, let's do it, right? Let's take that next step. Let's move towards permanency, which is so important. And let's do it in Ethiopia, where this is what our foster families are saying that they want. And then we had family after family after family come and say the exact same thing to us. That, yep, this was good. Like, foster care is great. We think it's important. But this child, this child that has been our foster child, is our daughter. Like, you can't tell me it's my foster daughter. She is my daughter. I want to adopt her. And so that story of the very first foster family coming forth and saying, no, we, we want to adopt let us know very early on that we were that we were on the right track and that absolutely yes you could do this in Ethiopia and absolutely yes that Ethiopian families would step up time and time again to care for kids. I'm curious how the residential care centers, the orphanages that you've worked with, how have they responded to all of this? You were obviously placing their children. Was that a challenge or was this something that they were excited to be a part of? So working with orphanages and residential care institutions is a long-term process, and I think it's all about building a relationship. Because when you start talking about deinstitutionalization, that's a really scary word. And it's a long word. It's hard to pronounce. And so we come in and we say, oh, we want to deinstitutionalize. We want to put kids in families. It's scary. It's an unknown, and it's a little bit threatening. What we have found is that staff in the orphanages, when they hear about foster care or deinstitutionalization, they get really scared for their jobs, with good reason. They're, they're supporting their families through their jobs in the orphanage. They love these children in the orphanage. They want to make sure that if they're going to be outside of the orphanage doors, that those children are safe. And so what we have found is that it takes a special partnership and it takes time to develop that trust between Bethany and the orphanage to really work through those issues and those those anxiety-producing moments when you start talking about placing kids into families. And if you do it appropriately, if you do it slowly, and if you do it in a way that's based on trust and mutual understanding, it goes a lot better. But if you are trying to push things through too fast, then absolutely staff can sabotage the process because they're afraid of losing their jobs. And so without keeping that in mind, it can be a really hard process. And so we have, it's taken us a long time to find partners in orphanages that are like-minded, that think the same way that we do. And they also know that children belong in families. They just don't know how to get them there. And then we can come alongside them and help them with that. And so it's been a very much a, a learning opportunity for us in that you can't just go in with guns a-blazing and say, this is best for kids. And, and you should know that. 
but you should really have to take your time to build a relationship with the orphanage because they can be a resource. And so there's other opportunities to engage orphanage staff in a way that's appropriate and helpful and in the best interest of that child. They're just not living in the orphanage. That's super helpful to understand. And I appreciate that you shared that you found partners who have your vision. They love these children. They want what's best for them. And that ultimately these centers need to be a resource in that community. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you have to partner. You have to partner with orphanages. You can't come in and just say, this is what needs to happen. It really is a partnership and it's based on mutual trust and respect. And if you, if you can't come in in that way, it, it's going to take longer and it's going to be a whole lot harder because it's hard enough already. The other point that I want to make about deinstitutionalization and the whole ideas around what we say DI because it's easier to say than deinstitutionalization. I'm wondering if us as Americans and as global child welfare leaders, if we'd start to need to, to, to call it something else. It's not necessarily, I think, in anyone's best interest to continue to use the word deinstitutionalization. I think we should call it something different, like what it is, which is promoting family-based care. And so if you go into an orphanage and say, hey, we want to promote family-based care. We want to partner with you to get your kids into a family where they can grow, where they can not just survive but thrive. Let's talk about what family-based care looks like. To me, that's a lot more relational than coming in and saying, hey, let's talk about deinstitutionalization and what it means. And so I think maybe if we start to talk about things differently and use different terms, it might also help with the process. I agree. People want to get on board with that. Christy, do you have any advice for others out there who are listening, who are considering supporting this kind of domestic adoptions in the countries where they work? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first piece of advice is it's possible. If you go in with the idea or the opinion that it's possible, you're going to get a whole lot farther. But I would say, as far as advice goes, I would say, one, check the laws of the country. Is adoption codified in the law so that what you are working towards, which is permanency for children, is actually legal in that country? If there is no codification in the law for adoption, then you know where your place to start is. You really need to start lobbying for care reform or new legislation, and many, many countries around the world, if they don't have adoption in their laws, are, are now working towards that end. But to me, it's really important to first and foremost know if it's legal or not to start something like this. The second piece of advice I would say is really pay attention to best practice. Best practice is really important when you're placing children into families. And honestly, it's the one reason why I can sleep at night because we are obsessed with best practice at Bethany. We really want to make sure that children are being cared for in, in the most appropriate way. And to me, that means that our social workers are trained, that they have manageable caseloads, that foster families have been trained in a way that's appropriate, that you're not putting children into families just to place them into families. If, if you think that a family's not yet prepared, don't put a child with them. And so really paying attention to best practice is key. And don't be afraid to ask for help if you don't know what best practice is. And so we've all seen bad foster care, and I know that organizations working towards foster care or family-based care, they also want to make sure that their children are safe. And, that's, and by paying attention to best practice is the best way to ensure that. My last point would be make sure that you partner with your local church. I can't say enough how important it is that partnerships with the local church are key. In so many programs I have seen, they are the key to success in recruiting and maintaining and supporting foster families and adoptive families. The local church just gets it. 
They understand the context of the community. They are in that community. They are a ready-made support system for your families. We want to thank Christy so much for sharing about the important work of Bethany Christian Services. To find out more about adoption and other forms of family care, you can visit our website at www.faithtoaction.org. Thanks so much for listening.